It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April second, two thousand and fifteen. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is out of town tonight, and so I've got some guests filling in his place. First off, we have uh, Jeff uh, Vernon here. Jeff, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. Glad to have you here. And uh, Anthony is to my right. Anthony, thank you for coming as well. Thanks. It's good to be here. And then uh, to my left, uh, we have uh, Stephen Dvorak uh, behind the controls, and Stephen will be helping us with the discussion tonight as well. Stephen, thank you for being here. And uh, Anth- and Jeff just tore up his headset. Uh, so we'll Technical difficulties. That's right. That's right. I think you can still hear me, though. Uh, all right. Uh, so we'll look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And in the chat room to the bottom of your video feed, if you're watching us on the program live tonight, sign in and join with other listeners there tonight on a program I think that will be interesting. We I don't believe we've ever touched on this for a whole program, we've touched on it in passing uh, in the past, but I want to talk about slavery uh, today on the program. Anthony uh, and uh, Jeff, slavery is presented uh, as one of the proof that atheists want to use to say that God doesn't exist. That, uh, well, if, uh, if God allowed slavery, then the Bible's immoral and God is immoral and, well, if he's immoral, then he's not what we claim he is as, as believers, and uh, therefore um, we could c- conclude that God doesn't exist. Yeah, I believe we're going, going to see very well. I mean, that a lot of the slavery is not exactly what we what we think of when we think of slavery. All and, right, uh, as we get into right. a little bit further, that'll be a crucial uh, point to make tonight as well. Earlier today, I sent out some uh, questions. A little bit late on the program on the questions today. Ramona sent a message in said, are you not having a program tonight? I said, uh-uh. yeah, I'm behind schedule. So uh, here are the questions. Uh, do you see any problems with it? First off, you know, the atheist is going to claim, well, it's immoral for God to, to say that slavery is okay. Well, isn't there a fundamental problem? And do you see any problems with atheists making a claim that something's immoral? And if you do see a problem with it, what is that problem? Second question was, was slavery endorsed by God in the Bible? Well, it's it's hard to deny the fact that there was slavery in the Bible. The question is, does God endorse it? And then the third question was, if it was endorsed by God, if God did endorse slavery, how do you answer the claims by atheists that, that this proves that God and the Bible are both immoral? So if, if God and the Bible endorse slavery, does that show that they're immoral? And number four, if slavery was not endorsed by God, then how do you explain the commands given by God in both the Old and, surprisingly, the New Testament regarding slavery. If God doesn't endorse slavery, what's he doing giving these instructions? How do you explain those? And so we'll look forward to your question on the pro, or your answers to the questions on the program tonight. 877-381-4567. To that first question, do you see any problems with an atheist 
claiming that something is immoral. Stephen, that, that seems on the face of it uh, to be somewhat of an oxymoron. Yeah. Atheists don't believe in any objective morality. They can't because everything is an accident. There's no meaning. Pull that microphone a little closer to you there, if you don't oh, mind, Stephen. Our existence is no... There's no accountability for our actions. And so they can't really claim any objective morality. They can, ex- they can claim something is inexpedient or unhelpful to the propagation of our species, but nothing moral or amoral. Okay, we believe morality, uh, Anthony, comes from God, who is the source of morality. And so on the surface of it, it does seem that they're arguing without any, any ground to argue from uh, to claim that something's immoral. Right. I mean, to an atheist, you know, Morality is just sort of, uh, you know, anybody's definition of morality is as good as the next person. So I might think, um, you know, uh, uh, polygamy is is moral, but you might think it's not. But without an objective standard, standard, right? There's no, you know, there's no definitive answer to anything. So um, you know, it's a moving target, really. Yeah. So Jeff, the first thing we'd say is, well, who's to say that it's immoral? And the question I would have to ask is if if slavery was accepted by atheists in the past, would that prove that atheism is invalid? Right. I'm I'm sure there were plenty of atheistic, you know, slavery proponents in the past. So does that mean that? In in fact, Thomas Huxley, you're familiar with that name? Yes. He was a very prominent uh, promoter of Darwin's theories. He was against slavery, but he was racist in his his beliefs. He he was very uh, uh, adamant of that that the African-American or the African was inferior uh, to the Caucasian. Uh, and so uh, does that prove then that atheism is invalid? So let us uh, let us know your thoughts uh, on that t- tonight. Um, Randy in the chat room uh, says, where, do the, where does the atheist get his morality? Guest 4116 says, on what grounds would an atheist determine what is moral or immoral? And that is, uh, that is a good question for us to consider. It is indicative of the fact that, Atheists want to grasp at anything they can get their hands on to show that, that God doesn't exist, that the Bible's not valid. Uh, and I think that we see that here. All right, uh, in uh, the emails, to re- response to our questions tonight, uh, Chris in the U.K. says, If there is no God, then man is merely a collection of chemicals. Hence, there is no reason to believe anything has eternal value. So making all actions or morals relative and situational. Goodness only derives from whatever works to achieve a desired result. So if benefits... If it benefits me to enslave someone, which is not biblical, by the way, then how is it immoral? Remember that the godless world is evolutionary, dependent on natural selection, which leads to the tenet of the survival of the fittest. And if I can subdue you uh, so my genes continue, that's what counts right on uh, that point of view. So, yeah, exactly right. Well said. And uh, there is some evidence that uh, this evolutionary thought has led to some of those views in the past, particularly uh, maybe some of Adolf Hitler's views right. uh, and, and survival of the fittest, the, the supreme race, so forth. Right. Um, and so um, there, there are uh, there are some problems with the atheist making that claim, slinging that mud because they're going to get that mud on themselves, it seems. Uh, and so um, there are problems with atheists making claims that things are moral or immoral. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven is the number to call or sign in the chat room tonight as we talk about slavery. And so. The question then is, was there slavery in the Bible? 
Jeff, you've done some research. Pull that microphone down a little bit closer to you if you don't mind. And, um, Jeff, I think it's uh, fairly apparent uh, from the scriptures that, uh, in fact, there was slavery in the Bible and uh, and some passages you have that may support that. Yes, uh, let, um, let's look at Exodus 23, verse 12. Let's look at that and well, we can see that. All right, Exodus uh, chapter 23, verse 12, uh, some instructions about slavery, and so we can deduce by that, uh, from that passage, uh, that uh, that there was slavery in the, in the Old Testament, and okay. uh, go ahead. All right, it says, six days uh, you are not, not to do work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor in order, to, um, in order that your ox and your donkey may rest, the son of your female... The, and the son of your female slave, as well as your stranger, may refresh themselves. All right, so there were instructions about uh, slavery and whether or not you could work your, your your slave on the Sabbath day. So, Anthony, I could conclude, yes, there was slavery in Old Testament times. And it leads me to believe that God at least allowed that. Right, right. right. He didn't say, don't work your, serv- your servant or your slave at all. Right, he didn't say set your you know on the seventh day set all your servants or slaves free. So right. he's you, you, he's regulating yeah. how how they're going to treat their their servants or slaves. So yeah. certainly it was going on, and it was at least allowed. Yeah. At this point. Okay. In Exodus chapter twenty-two, back up one chapter from where you were previously, Jeff. Exodus twenty-two verses two and three. Notice this: If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him, for he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. And so here's an instruction, in fact, commanding slavery for those who were found stealing. And the instruction is, well, if he's if it's in the middle of the night and, uh, and uh, he is killed, then it's okay. But if the sun is up uh, and you kill him, then there's, that's a different situation there. You, you should have re- restrained yourself. But this guy's going to have to pay back everything he sold, uh, stole, Jeff. And, well, if he happened to steal more than he could pay back, then he's mm-hmm. told that it's told, we're told that he should be sold as a slave. Well, we see it as a punishment. I mean, yeah. you know, we have a lot of things. Um, I believe uh, one of the points that, um, that you pointed out earlier it, it, as we were looking over this was the idea that we have punishment like that today all right we'll talk um, about that in a minute so. uh but yeah so certainly Stephen, not only can we infer that slavery existed and god permitted it at least we even have an instruction from god that certain individuals should be uh treated this way and so we've, we'll have to discuss that as we get into this uh, about whether or not that's moral right whether or not it's wise as well okay uh and then as we go on and just quickly to establish the fact that slavery did exist in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Jeff, you got that? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5? Yes. It says, uh, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. All right. So in Ephesians chapter 6, in the New Testament, surprisingly, we see that slavery exists, and there's instructions regulating that. So at least in the New Testament as well, God is allowing for slavery. 
And right. So we've got to discuss this. I think, you know, at some point, you know, I think we're going to get to this, but, you know, and we do this a lot of times on the program. We want to be sure that we're defining our terms okay. uh, clearly. So I think, um, you know, at some point we're going to have to talk about, you know, what are the words being used uh, for that are translated servant or slave and then, even beyond that, what are the conditions that these people are are living under? Right. And is it what is it what the minds of you know 21st century Americans automatically go to when we hear the word slavery? We have a certain image and a certain understanding of that word, but it's that's based on on our experience in our nation and our culture. All right, we're going to get to that. We'll get to that on the other side of the break. But we do need to establish the fact that slavery did exist. Because so the right. atheist does have in so, to some extent. An argument when he says slavery existed, and that makes God immoral. We'll, qu- we'll ask that, answer that question on the other side of the break, hopefully. First Peter chapter two, verse eighteen, another passage of many that talk about uh, slavery, even in the New Testament. First Peter two eighteen says, "Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward." And so, here we have slavery. We have servants who are told to be subject to their masters, and even those who were not good and gentle. Or we're somewhat hostile or froward. Uh, we've got sl- slaves that are say you, you'd be in subjection to them, and so we have to ask the question: Does sl- the fact that slavery existed in the Bible show that God's immoral, and that the Bible's immoral, and that both ought to be rejected? We'll take a break, and when we get back, we're going to get into that discussion that you brought up, Anthony. So there was slavery. What's the picture of that slavery? What, how, what could what would describe that slavery? I think Jeff, you've got some information on that that will help, and uh, and so, certainly we want to look at that. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we'll get your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview dot com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The Virtual Bible Study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible Study group every Thursday night? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Patience is not the ability to wait but how you act while you're waiting. Happiness will never come to those who fail to appreciate what they already have. Someone is, no doubt, praying to have the things you have and take for granted. Man, wish I'd said that. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. Well, that was you, Anthony, yeah, right what? there. <laughs> so you want us to get back to it? We will. We want to get your thoughts. 877 Four five six seven questions at collegeu.com. We're talking about slavery tonight on the program. Clearly, slavery was present in the Bible. God at least seems to have permitted it. In fact, he gave instructions regulating it, the servant-master relationship. And what's even more is that he gave instructions that some ought to be sold into slavery, so not only does he allow for it, it even seems that he instructs it. So what does that tell us about God? Is he immoral? 
877-381-4567 on the program tonight. Look forward to hearing from you, and um, we'll look forward to hearing your thoughts. Guest 4116 says, Our society practices slavery today. A thief is enslaved or imprisoned as a way of making restitution not much different than that Old Testament practice. And so, yeah, we'll talk about that. But let's talk about the fact that slavery in the Old Testament was different than the image of slavery that we have today. Anthony and Jeff, your view of slavery in American, colonial American times. Well, when when you think of that kind of slavery, you think of a hard oppression, a lot like we get the picture of the Israelites when they were suffered by the Egyptians. Um, it was a very harsh slavery. Um, there were no rights, and they were treated worse than the animals. So, I mean, when, I think that's what comes to our mind when we think of slavery, and it's not necessarily... Um, we'll see that it's we've, there's some restrictions here. And, and Anthony, that that history is of one of of some. Yeah, you've got some microphone problems there. We're all having equipment issues. That uh, there that that image of slavery in uh, colonial American times or uh, 17th and 18th century or 1800s was of one where Africans were kidnapped, taken by force from Africa, put in the in the holds of a ship uh, and inhumane numbers placed down there where they would die of starvation and disease, likely many of them on the journey to America. When they got to America, they were auctioned off uh, to the highest bidder, placed in uh, some were placed in somewhat tolerable conditions, others in intolerable conditions, a very cruel and inhumane practice uh, that no one would support today. Right, and uh, you know, I think there's a couple of elements that we've we've already touched on. I mean, this was a, a forced labor situation, um, but even at the you know around the same time, and even prior to that, if we go back and look at history, I think when we think about our even grade school social studies classes, we learn the term indentured servant. So even you know we have our in our own history as a nation, we also have. Um, record of of this indentured servitude where you were basically selling yourself as a servant um, but it was on your own sort of your own terms or terms you agreed with agreed to with the uh, with the owner uh, so that was even something that we're not familiar with today in most cases it, it seems foreign to us today um, so we even had two different types of slavery or servant uh, servitude if you will even uh, even in our short history as a nation, but certainly the the slavery of uh, of Africans was was a forced slavery and in many cases brutal, but not in every case. I mean, we we have record of of plenty of slave owners who treated them very well, treated them like family. Still not still didn't afford them the same rights, like Jeff mentioned, you know, as as white people, so to speak. Um, but not not every situation was was as horrible as as we tend to think about. No, but we would we would say that there's an issue with that from the beginning. But right. the fact that they were taken against their yes. will, kidnapped, and 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 turned into slaves here in, in America, we'd say there's a fundamental issue there, right. regardless of how they're treated right. once they got here. Yep, I agree. Um, but in the Bible, we see a different view of slavery. Uh, and Jeff, you mentioned one uh, of those being that there were some instructions on how slaves were be, to be treated. Treated, 
Um, and we do see, though, as you mentioned, that there was there was a type of slavery that we would condemn in America that was going on in Bible times, that being the Israelites in Egypt, where they were forced into slavery and treated cruelly. Um, and uh, we see God's reaction to that type of slavery. Right. Um, to to I'm sure we're familiar that eventually he sends a deliverer. And, um, and, and, you know, throughout the Bible, he uses that to point to us and our condition. Um, I've always found that very interesting that, you know, we're, we're considered slaves and we, we always, you know, say, you know, the new, the old Testament was meant for our our learning. And definitely the case is for, um, there's characteristics of it that God's uh, people were enslaved, but he was going to protect them and deliver them. And we have that promise today as well. Okay. All right, and so in Exodus chapter 6, verse 5, God heard their groaning, that being the Israelites, in their slavery. And God remembered his covenant with Isaac and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he sent Moses to deliver uh, the Israelites in their, uh, in their oppression. So God does not condone oppressive slavery. We can see that from what, the way he treated the Israelites. Furthermore, uh, this idea of kidnapping, as was done with the, the Africans when they were brought to, the, to America, uh, that 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 type of uh, behavior was forbidden in the Old Testament as well in the New Testament. Right. Yeah. You know. And I got to say, I wasn't as familiar with this uh, verse, but yeah, in Exodus twenty one sixteen. Sorry, more technical difficulties here. But Exodus twenty one sixteen says, "He who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or he is found in his possession, shall uh, surely be put to death." So again, so kidnapping there, uh, you know, is forbidden. All right. So, so God made instructions as you, he, he was against those who would be oppressive in their slavery. He was against those who would kidnap uh, others uh, and and sell them as slaves. And uh, furthermore, he had instructions that a runaway slave couldn't be returned to his master. We'll talk about that in a minute. But that seems to indicate that if. You're my slave, Anthony, and I'm treating you cruelly, and you run away because you don't like the way I'm treating you. Well, Joe down the road, if he finds you, can't bring you back to me. Uh, if you run away, then you're not obligated to come back. Right, and so right. it indicates that God is not uh, for the oppression of slaves. Good oh, point. Um, Deuteronomy 23, verse 15 uh, states that. It says, uh, you shall not hand over to his master a slave who has escaped from his master to you. So, so that's exactly what Jacob was talking about there um, regarding, you know, if a runaway slave, it didn't have to be returned. You know, and that's interesting because certainly in in, in American history that, you know, our, the slave owners weren't following that rule by any means. Those uh-huh. gruesome details of what happened if you were caught as right. a runaway slave and you would be brought back and treated very, very badly. Uh, Nick in the chat room says the biblical rules of slavery in the Old Testament were clearly different than the nations around them. Uh, for the Israelites versus the nations around them. God had given them strict guidelines on how they should treat uh, their slaves. Travis in the chat room says, early American slavery was based primar- primarily on racism, whereas the slavery apprentice in, uh, indentured servitude in the Bible was based on social construct and the economy of the time. That's what we need to good talk point. about. That's a good point, Travis. We'll get into that as to what this idea of slavery is. And we're, again, as we're talking about this and talking about the slavery of uh, of the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's hard to separate the image we have of early American slavery with 
what is actually going on there. And so we've got to we've got to get a, a, a picture here that corresponds with what kind of slavery we're talking about in the Old Testament. Travis alludes to that when he talks about this idea of apprentices or indentured servants and so forth. And so we'll talk about that in a minute, but good comment, Travis. And guest 4116 says, perhaps we need to keep in mind that it is not the intent of the Lord or the gospel to cure correct all social ills. Slavery certain, certainly carries a negative connotation. It is used in Romans chapter 6 to demonstrate that we are slave to whom we obey. We are either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. So we can have a harsh master or a gracious and loving master, but we will have a master, and, and that is a good point to, uh, to make as well. Um, let's talk about uh, about these words that are used uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament about uh, slaves, uh, because this is getting to that idea that, that that Travis alluded to, in that the servants or the slaves in the Bible times uh, were not necessarily the, the image that we have today. In the Old right. Testament, the word uh, the Hebrew word is ebed. And uh, that word can be translated either slave or servant. And in the King James Version, it's primarily, I believe, translated servant, or often translated servant. Uh, in the other versions, translated slave. Um, Genesis chapter 39 refers to Joseph as an ebed, or a slave or a servant. And notice his living conditions aren't the kind of living conditions that you would envision uh, an American slave having had uh, around the 1800s um, where we see Potiphar's wife trying to get um, Joseph uh, to commit sin. Uh, then she spoke, as she's talking to her husband, she spoke with to him with words like these saying, the Hebrew servant or slave whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted up my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard these words, which his wife spake unto him, said, Your servant did to me after this matter that he was his anger was aroused. So he uses that word ebed to talk about Joseph. Now, Anthony, I remember some things about Joseph, and it wasn't that Joseph was getting tied to a pole and beaten every day and were out uh, being forced to do manual labor without proper living. Joseph had a very comfortable existence right. in Potiphar's house. Yeah, and he was in a position of authority and he had, you know, great great goods and luxuries compared to most, you know, most of the other people around him. And so it would not have been an undesirable condition to be in in Joseph's there. And so there's that idea of slavery. We see not a negative picture, Stephen, of slavery, at least from that picture of Joseph. Yeah, and something we see about God just in all his dealings with man is that he's a protector of those who are in marginalized positions. He never instructs people to treat their fellows cruelly in any way or unjustly. Of course, there's punishment for sin and for uh, wrongdoing, but God always protects his people. That's right. That's right. And then here's an interesting passage in uh, in Job, the book of Job, uh, thirty-one, uh, chapter 31, verses 13 to 15. Jeff, would you mind reading that for us? Uh, Job 31, verses 13 to 15, shows us that Job, and this perhaps even predates the law of Moses, Job understood that there were certain ways that you should treat those who are your slaves or your servants. Go ahead, uh, Jeff. And uh, starting verse 13, um, if I have despised the claim of my male or female slaves uh, when they filed a complaint against me, what then could I do when God arises? And when he calls me to account, what will I answer him? Did not he did not he who made me in the womb make him? 
and the same one fashion us in the womb. So not only does Joseph see that there are some requirements on how you treat his servants, he even understands there's equality between him and his servants, that he didn't have that racist view, even that view that uh, that so many did, atheists and believers in God as well, in uh, in colonial American times, that uh, the, the Caucasian race was a superior race. Joe, Job here says they're both equal. Right. I think, you know, we see different motivations um, behind these accounts that we just looked at in the Old Testament, different motivations for slavery. I think you, you know, the the slavery that, that all we're all familiar with, um, the motivations were, like you say, racism, hatred in many cases, you know, the desire to oppress a people and, and extort and exploit, not extort, but exploit a people, an entire race. That's a very different motivation, a different starting point than simply uh, or than what Job describes here of one of equality, um, that you know we're on equal equal um, playing ground here. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're they're servants, um, and there's a there's a hierarchy of of authority and of rank, if you will. But uh, but this is a very different picture than than what we have of, of slavery that we think of. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeu.com. Lots of ch- uh, chatter in the chat room. We'll get to here in just a minute. Some more things to look at in the Old Testament about what this idea of slavery entailed. And certainly uh, it, it, we're getting a different picture than what we would normally think based upon the experiences in the recent past or, or not so recent past in America to, uh, that we have the experience of, with slavery we have in America. Certainly we're seeing a different picture of that. And so it does shine some light then and shed some light onto this question about how could God be moral if he's instructing people to uh, on how to have slaves. Well, we see here what his instructions were is here's how you treat them, and you treat them humanely. You treat them in a way that you'd want to be treated yourself. And so we'll continue that discussion on the other side. We're going to get a break. When we get back, we'll take your thoughts. The telephone line is open, 877-381-4567. The email address is questions at collegeu.com, and the chat room is open and uh, filling up. So get in there and send in your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. This is Greg Wynn with this week's Bullet Point. Most folks stay quite concerned by developments in the news. With nations fighting nations and terrorists fighting everyone, it seems, there's good cause for alarm. Even in our own country, there are serious signs of unrest and strife. The Bible addresses these things and tells us how we ought to react as the people of God. First of all, pray. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning verse 1, Paul says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Second, develop a strong determination to do right regardless of what may happen. We tend to take our great liberties for granted. The time may come when, for any number of reasons, these freedoms will no longer be ours. We need to resolve right now that we will be faithful to the Lord. No matter what happens, quote, we ought to obey God rather than men. Acts chapter 5 verse 28. Third, avoid worry. Matthew 6 verse 34 says, Take no thought therefore, or as the New King James Version says, do not worry, for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And finally, maintain hope. 
Hebrews 13, beginning verse 5, says, He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you have questions about what we believe or practice, you can find out more information there. And even send us an email, questions at collegeu.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future edition of a virtual Bible study program, send that in. We had a listener who contacted us this week uh, from the Chicago area who disagrees with us on some fundamental uh, ideas. He is a Baptist, and he's agreed to be with us two weeks from tonight, I believe. Uh, So we'll look forward to that discussion with him. uh, So you want to stay tuned for that. But if you have questions or if you disagree with us, we would encourage you to contact us anytime. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use on the program. We're talking about slavery on the program tonight. The atheist says that the fact that slavery existed in the Bible and that, in fact, that even that appears that God allowed it and instructed some uh, slavery to some extent shows that God is immoral, the Bible's immoral, and both should be uh, disregarded. And we're seeing a different picture as we investigate the details of slavery on the program tonight. Um, and uh, back to the first question we posed about the atheist saying something is immoral. Travis in the chat room says, an atheist speaking of morality is like me writing an article in a woman's magazine saying the third tri- uh, talking about the third trimester and what to expect. He said, I would have no authority to write that or any experience to base that article on. And certainly the atheist uh, is uh, speaking without authority when he wants to talk about uh, morality. And, uh, and so that is ironic. But we do have to examine the fact and, and ask the fact, is it moral? the type of slavery that we see in the Bible. And uh, so far, we're definitely not seeing a negative picture of slavery and what God expected uh, from his people and what he allowed. Uh, in fact, we're seeing the opposite of that. Job 31, verses 13 through 15 is an excellent passage. that shows us that Job understood that he needed to be treating his slaves appropriately and that he would be held responsible for mistreating his slaves because he understood that he was equal. He was just as human and just as valuable as one of his slaves or one of his servants. Again, that word slave in the Old Testament was ebed, uh, the Hebrew word. That word can be translated slave or servant, and perhaps servant portrays a more accurate view in a lot of these relationships than the word slave. Um, because of the connotations that slavery has in, in America today. In Genesis chapter 14, here's an interesting uh, verse. Uh, Genesis chapter 14, verses 14 through 15, uh, Anthony, as Moses is going to rescue Lot, it's interesting what he does. Definitely not what you would do with a slave in America, per se. Genesis 14, 14 through 15. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his three uh, 318 trained servants or slaves who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and purchased them, or sorry, pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. And so uh, as they go to capture Lot, he's arming 
and going with 318 of his servants. Now, I would think that if you armed 318 of your servants in colonial American times, that you probably wouldn't be the one coming back. Yeah, from you that. wouldn't last too long no. if you were a you know wicked slave owner, yeah, right? Right, and so. There is a relationship here that we're just not familiar with. Right. I think it's totally foreign to us, really. I mean, I really think it is. Yeah. All right. Jeff, your thoughts? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you had one. All right. So in the Old Testament, we see a different picture. In the New Testament, uh, that in the Greek, uh, the Hebrew word there again is uh, ebed. The Greek word is doulos. Uh, uh, I'm saying that right, uh, Stephen? I did? Okay. Well, you get lucky every now and then. But that word, again, can be translated slave or servant. And uh, if you want to turn in uh, your Bible there, uh, Jeff, to, to Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, uh, even Paul is referred to as this slave or servant. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, Jeff. It says, But empty, emptied himself, taken on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Okay. So uh, I, I, I'm reading from New American Standard, so mine uses bondservant yeah. to replace or, that. So. Okay, okay. Uh, you got it pulled up yeah. in the English Standard? Yeah, the ESV just uses the word servant. Yeah. Um, Same word, though. So, it could be translated mm-hmm. servant or slave. Again, Jesus isn't taking the form of that person that uh, was, you know, the, the slavery that we're seeing today necessarily. And Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, says that he as well as a bondservant or slave of Jesus Christ, uh, called to be apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Now, if, if slavery had with it the connotation that it, it was a cruel, oppressive, torturous existence. Paul's statement there that he was a slave of Jesus would really be somewhat of a negative thing that he was saying. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, and here's the guy who who over and over tells people to be happy, to have joy, and to yeah. rejoice, and talks about yeah. the fruits of the Spirit. Certainly, Paul, you know, we would like to think – uh, display the fruits of the spirit, and, and one of those is joy. So if he was in, you know, if As he he's really, getting, you know, right. fifty lashes every morning right. to get his day started, and going out and working in inhumane conditions, that statement doesn't have any meaning to me, uh, Stephen. I have trouble grasping what he's saying there when he says he's a bond servant of Christ. Right. Yeah, and it's just something completely counter to what we want in our humanistic society everybody wants to be able to do whatever they want to do and have complete freedom and any idea of being told what to do or what not to do by anyone else is kind of against what we want okay all right okay all right uh, so in the old testament and the new testament the word translated could mean servant or slave and so again we're seeing the picture is it's not the oppressive relationship that comes to mind with our experience in our society now, slavery in the Old Testament. Why were people put into slavery in the Old Testament? We referenced one of those uh, reasons why already, Jeff, in the in Exodus chapter 22. I'm going to read that again for us just so we get the context there of what we're talking about. In Exodus chapter 22, uh, we see slaves were put into that relationship because of the criminal activity they were involved in. It reads, if own, if if its owner is with it, he shall not make restitution. If it is hired, it came for its hire. Okay, uh, Exodus 22, verses 1 through 3. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, yeah, right, 15. Right, go ahead. I'm one, sorry. One, two, 1 through 3. Oh, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall pay five oxen for the ox 
and four sheep for the sheep. If the thief is caught while breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there will be no blood guiltiness on his account. But if the sun has risen on him, there will be blood guiltiness on his account. He shall surely make restitution. If he owns nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. Okay. All right. So slaves were taken uh, were taken into captivity or taken into being slaves as a result of their criminal activity. All right. That's one reason why people were taken slaves. Remember also when the Israelites conquered the evil nations in the land of Canaan, some they were told to kill and some they took as their as their servants. So punishment of evil nations. And then third, we have those who were taken as what we would call Aunt Jeff. And and I, and I found that a verse for you to represent that. Okay, um, go ahead. Uh, it happened um, right right after uh, you know Joshua's lead them in. They've destroyed Jericho and uh, Ai and uh, the inhabitants of Gibeon. Um, okay. And uh, they are, they come out and you know look like they're from a far That's city. Exactly right. So yeah. and um, and, and uh, uh, the Israelites in error make a treaty with them rather than destroying them. Right. Okay. And uh, so what happens here is in verse twenty two, and it and the leader said to them. Let them live so that they can become hearers of wood and drawers of water for the whole congregation, just as the leaders had spoken to them. Yeah. So they let them live, um, and they made that treaty. But we also see that it, that it was for the punishment of that evil nation. Yep. And it, and so. Okay, good. Excellent. And then finally, uh, in the Old Testament, we see that servants or slaves were made that servants or slaves because of, of some debt that they owed. Anthony, if he, right. Exodus chapter 21, verse 2 speaks of that. Yep, let me jump over there. I would I'd jump to okay. Leviticus, but 21, 2. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. All right, so if the idea of going out free means he, you took him on for a debt. Maybe he owed mm-hmm. someone uh, some money that he couldn't pay, and you paid that debt for him, and as as payment you get his services for that period of time as he sort of works off his debt mm-hmm. okay uh, leviticus chapter 25 i don't know if you can get back were you there in exodus leviticus 25 39 anthony i previously? was i think i can get right back there okay. yeah i'm, I'm there. Jeff, okay. go ahead, okay. Jeff. um it says if a countryman of yours becomes so poor with regards to him that he sells himself to you um you shall not subject him to a slave service um, and then continuing verse 40, he shall be with you as a hired man. And if he's, uh, were a sojourner, he shall serve with you until the year of Jubilee. All right. So again, he became poor. He needed to have some debts paid off, or maybe he just needed subsistence. And so he agrees to enter this relationship with you. He works to a, for a certain set period of time. At that time, then he's released to go free. So we have the idea of indentured servants or those who are going into slavery. Pay off a debt. That's in the Old Testament. Quickly in the New Testament, we have the similar instructions. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through uh, 35, uh, seems to indicate that same type of relationship. In Matthew chapter 28 is the idea of the man who owed his master money, and uh, and there's some obligation to pay. Anthony, you've got some of those mm-hmm. pa- verses handy there in Matthew 18? Yeah, Matthew 18, starting verse 21. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? Uh, is that right? Let's yeah. See. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I forgive and, him. Yeah. Verse twenty-three. Right. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 
when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Yeah, so there's some uh, uh, the idea of indentured servitude again. Yeah, right. So for you know, for Jesus to use this, um, you know, in, in a parable implies that this was common practice at that time. Yeah. So not a surprise, really. Okay. All right. And then also, um, uh, we see that uh, the kind of slavery that occurred in America is condemned, blatantly condemned in uh, in First Timothy chapter one verses nine and ten. Go ahead and read that, Jeff. If you have okay. what version are you reading from there? New American. Okay, go ahead and read that, and I think okay. that'll have the the word that we want. Okay. There. And realizing the fact that law is not made uh, for a righteous person, but for those who are un- unlawless and rebellious. For the ungodly and sinners, and for the unholy and the profane, and for those who kill their fathers and mo- mothers are morals. Um, and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. All right. And so the, the word I think you had is man-stealers or kidnappers. It said kidnappers. Kidnappers. Yes. I think mm-hmm. the King James Version says man-stealers. Yeah, the ESV gets a little closer to home and says enslavers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that, the idea, the colonial American slavery, flatly condemned. Yeah. First it, Timothy chapter 9. The, even the... 1 verse 9. Right. Even the little, um, I guess, exp- explanatory note in the ESV says... That that term means those who take someone captive in order to sell him into slavery. So okay. exactly what we had going so, on. So there is slavery, not the kind of slavery though that we're we're thinking of with our American history. We're, we're seeing a different view here. Those who were selling themselves as indentured servants, those who are being punished for criminal activities, uh, those are the type of slaves and servants we see. You know, and a lot of people were going to say, well, it's just immoral to have slavery. Period. But, Stephen, we have, well, what you would call slavery today. For instance, Stephen, if you go out and uh, rob a bank, they put you in jail, I might see you out on the side of the road in a few weeks picking up trash, working for the state without pay. All right? That would be, by definition, slavery. But no one says that's inhumane for you to be out picking up trash if you're uh, in custody of the state or making my license plate or what have you. Um, so we, slavery exists today. Right. Uh, and 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 then slavery would say there's nothing immoral about uh, slavery. That would correspond with maybe some of the punishment of the evil nations yeah. that we saw in the Old Testament. Uh, well, and what about working off your debts? Jeff, you go out to eat. You and Stephen go out to eat. Uh, and uh, you left your wallet at home. Uh, how are you going to get out of the restaurant? Oh, I'm, I might be washing some you dishes. You might be washing might be the dishes, right? You <laughs> may be forced to work to pay off your debt. And so, I mean, we have, we don't think those things are necessarily immoral today. And so uh, we just have a negative connotation of these types of relationships because those those bad relationships that existed in our history uh, and that that's maybe skew our view of these things. Yeah, I, and I don't know if I can really explain this either, but I think we... It's so easy for us in in our day and time to look back. Uh, I mean, to look back at this stuff and project our own modern day uh, sensibilities and modern day um, ideas of what's acceptable and what's not. Mores, right? Oh, I like <laughs> there that. You right. go, yeah. Um, so you know, 
but this was, I mean, it was a different place back then. Uh, I mean, a, d- a different world, just a different set of values. These things were normal. So for us to be hundreds of years removed, thousands of years removed from this and to, you know, sort of sit back and point, take pot shots at, at their society and culture doesn't really work so well. So we, you know, that might be our initial reaction and in what some people might say, but uh, we've looked at it, you know, in a thorough manner tonight to show that it's, you know, the slavery that we see in the Bible that someone might argue that God commands or condones or, or puts a rubber stamp on is not the kind of slavery that we're thinking of. And furthermore, you know, as I think Stephen said or someone already said that, you know, God didn't come on the scene, so to speak, and just try to blow everything out of the water. He allowed, I mean, people were were creating their own culture, their own mores, their own ideas of what was acceptable and not, you know, they had their own culture throughout time, and God wasn't blowing that up. He was regulating it, as we saw with all the various regulations about service and so forth. He wasn't necessarily, you know, stepping in and, and putting an end to every single social injustice or every single wrong. Uh, but over time, I mean, look where we, where we are now. <clears throat> I think what the point that we've made on programs here in the past is that while Jesus didn't come on the scene and blow up slavery and say, you guys, you got to stop this, no more indentured servants, none of that stuff, but the teachings and principles that he set forth have led to, you know, the demise of the type of slavery that we had in, in colonial America and so forth. Um, you know, we, we have a better understanding, um, you know, uh, of God's expectations around that now. Obviously, there were religious people in colonial yeah. America who thought it was great. Yeah. And so they obviously did not have it right. They were missing some things there. Yeah, you know, but, and I, I understand that the argument, but I, I, st- I at the same time, in the, under the Old Testament law, they were told to love their neighbor as herself. In the New Testament law, they're told to love their neighbor as herself. So if this type of slavery going on is that type of oppressive, that relationship that shouldn't exist, right. that Jesus' teachings would ultimately overrule. Right. I don't think he would have given instructions in the Old Testament on how to have a slave or in the New Testament about the relationship between a slave and the master. If it was an unlawful relationship, right. I think he would have abolished it then. I think what we're seeing is it wasn't one of those oppressive situations where it would be Right. Impossible right. for me to love my neighbor as myself or to treat my fellow man as I should. Right. So we don't have any verses saying commanding people to go kidnap people and, and right. force them into labor. Um, and, you know, we don't have any verses saying that, well, for those of you who do that, uh, keep on doing it. Just, just make nice. sure, yeah, be a little bit nicer or um, you just make sure you don't kill too many of them. And, you know, no, we don't have that at all. Right, right, right. Okay, let's take a quick break. We're way over uh, time. We need to catch another break. When we get back, I'm way behind in the chat room. We're way behind on email as well. And uh, we want to talk about some other rules. Because we look at the rules regarding Old Testament and New Testament slavery, those rules were not oppressive, but in in fact were intended to be protective of the slave or the servant. Uh, And so we'll talk about them on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But 
That's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in Him for salvation by doing what He says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. With tax season in full swing, a newly released poll says an overwhelming majority of adults don't believe it is ever okay to cheat on their income taxes, with most citing personal integrity as a reason to be truthful. When asked how much, if any, is an acceptable amount to cheat on your taxes, 87% of respondents said not at all. Only 11% said a little here and there, or as much as possible. 95% said personal integrity influences them to honestly report their taxes, while 63% said fear of an audit did. Only 41% said that they are honest because they believe their neighbors are too. That information is via the Associated Press. The Word of God says in Romans 13, verse 7, Render therefore unto all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we are back, but not for long. We've got to hurry as we go to the top of the hour talking about slavery on the program tonight. Uh, Chris in the U.K., uh, talking about uh, the types of slavery that exist in the Old Testament, said biblical slavery was either done by an Israelite being debt, selling himself into slavery, and offered release after seven years, or a prisoner of war becoming your slave, they could not be killed, Exodus 21, 2 through 6, or kidnapped and forced into it, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 7. So the types of slaver he notes there. And then in the chat room, uh, guest 4116, our society practices slavery today. A thief is enslaved or imprisoned as a way of making restitution, not much different than that Old Testament practice. Uh, and uh, let's see... Um, in guest 4116 again says, perhaps we need to keep in mind that it is not an intent of the Lord or the gospel to cure or correct all of society's ills. Slavery certain, certainly carries a negative connotation. It is used in Romans 6 to, to demonstrate that we are a slave to whom we obey, whether slaves of sin or slaves of righteousness, so we can have a harsh master or a gracious and loving master, but we will have a master. Nick says in the chat room, in the New Testament, Paul suggests that those living under Roman rule as slaves whose masters may not have been Christians... Uh, he ha- he tells uh, talks about that in Ephesians chapter uh, five or six five through nine. I have lived in America all my life and would have great difficulty being able to live as a servant. Joseph had the blessings that come from his work that work ethic and from God's protective hand, but he could still go home to his family. Uh, still could not go home to his family until much later in his life. 
Um, and then guest 7132 says, consider the direction as written in Philemon. You had some thoughts on that, uh, Jeff. Hopefully we can get to those here in just a minute. Uh, Nick says, certainly many were slaves as bond servants due their debt to someone. The only way they could pay off their debt was to become a servant and work off what was owed. One might think twice before getting into debt, if at all possible. Uh, and then Rick in the chat room, thank you for your comment, Rick, says, if slavery or servanthood was inherently wrong, why the instructions in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 21 through 24, that the saint who was called being a servant to care not for it? Also, why would Paul send Onesimus back to Philemon if it was inherently wrong? And I have to agree with that. I, I, I can't harmonize the two. If this was some type of societal ill that needed to be cured and that Jesus was just wasn't going to, you know, take the time to do it or use his ammunition on that societal ill, why would we have instructions to remain in those relationships or go back into those relationships? Right. Um, so I, 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 I appreciate that comment, Rick. Thank you. And Nick says, it seems obvious that not all slavery was inherently wrong, but the kidnapping of people to sell them as slaves is evil. The Jews had different rules for servants that were Hebrews versus Gentile slaves taken in war or bought. This is a very complicated and many-faceted subject in the Old and New Testaments. And uh, let's see. Nick also says, Jesus lived his life subservient to our needs as sinners, his death being the ultimate act of service. Um Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9 is talking to a master who has accepted the authority of Christ in his life and talk, talking to him about how he should treat his servants. So, again, if this is inherently wrong, there shouldn't be instructions on masters. Here's how you treat your servants. It should be masters. Let them free. Right. Uh, and then um, the Nick says the vast majority of Americans in the early years of our country were not for slavery. But in an effort to form a union, they felt it necessary to compromise, in which they looked the other way. I think that's a valid point. I think right. that holds up. And then Chris in the U.K., talking about whether or not God endorses and uh, slavery, he answers, well, yes and no. He clearly values people and sees, seeks the release of slaves, shown by the freedom of the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt. He urges people to treat them with compassion and give them rest on the Sabbath. In the New Testament, believers are equal. Uh, whether free or slaves, even with Paul requesting Philemon to release Onesimus as he was now a believer. All right. Well, we have uh, not covered the ground we wanted to. Quickly, you guys have uh, a few passages in the Old Testament, again, reiterating the fact that uh, that this slavery that we're view- talking about was not an oppressive slavery, but the Israelites were to be compassionate and considerate of those who were their servants. Right. Um, in uh, Proverbs 29, verse 21, um it says, he who pampers his slave from childhood will in the end find him a, as a son. So if you treat him good, you're going to uh, have well. And okay. Loyalty, okay. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and uh, Exodus 21, uh, verses 20 through 27, you know, just a paraphrase, talks about, you know, if a, if a master strikes or kills a slave, then he, you know, his, his death will be avenged. So, you know, if you kill your slave, then uh, then then basically you'll have the same penalty on, on yourself. And similarly, it says in verse 26, when a man strikes the eye of a slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free. So these are you know rules showing that you can't abuse your slaves or yeah. servants. And I like the one, I believe it's in Deuteronomy chapter 15, where uh, when this year of Jubilee comes and they are to let their servants leave, there were some who could 
desire to stay. Now, again, if this is an oppressive relationship where I'm getting beat every day and I'm getting, I'm being out, forced to go out and work, dig ditches all day, and I'm not getting any, you know, I'm, I'm not being treated humanely. This passage says that when that that time comes at the end of the six years that they are served, in the seventh year they're told to let go. There's provision made for those who want to stay. Uh, and if it happens in verse 16 of uh, Deuteronomy 15, if it happens that he says to you, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house, since he prospers with you, then he was to pierce his ear to show that he was a cert- to going to be in that relationship uh, for the rest of his life. So, again, this is not an oppressive situation because uh, who in the world would want to stay in that relationship? But uh, right. these people said he loved you, you and your house, and he's prospering. It's a mutually beneficial relationship. He says, hey, I like being your servant or your slave. Here's my ear because I'm staying here forever. Yep. And, right. and it would make sense under, like, I've, we briefly touched on that in the Leviticus chapter 25 about why um, some people went into the indentured servitude. Um, it was used um, in many cases to help those who were struggling. Yeah, I mean, there's a prosperous man. I can go and be his right. slave, uh, and and I'll have a better life there as mm-hmm. his as his servant or his slave than I would here in the shambles that I'm living in now. Well, they didn't have the blessing. I mean, we, I think we take it for granted that you know sometimes if we get in trouble in America, you know, we can get help. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, the children of Israel, they were in a situation where that wasn't possible. You know, yeah. they they had to find you know set up a way, and again. We understand that God's law was both civil and it was also a um, moral law or um, um, spiritual law. That's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you combine those two together, you're going to see a little overlaps. But you can see why those things happened. And It's uh, a good point. Different can, society. Right. Yeah. Okay. We are out of time. And uh, we're over time. And so we need to call it quits for here. But a good discussion. Important discussion. It's going to be a, it's, it's a sticking point for a lot of people. How, how can we harmonize these things? But I think when we get dig in deeper and we see the facts of these relationships as God ordained them and regulated them, that, uh, that this was not an immoral arrangement and uh, an arrangement that uh, that we should uh, shy away from as far as accepting that God, that there was slavery in the Bible times. Yeah, I think it's a good study. I think it's something we need to all be aware of in case we have this thrown up to us as an, as an objection. We need to be aware and we need to be able to answer it. All right. Thank you for being here tonight, Anthony. My pleasure. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you for your contributions and the program. Uh, Stephen, thank you as well. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. Thank you for listening. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you Put, your, put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.